listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. So I need you guys to wake up. I know some of you are still in a turkey-induced coma. You might have eaten a little too much this weekend, um, but I need you to wake up a little bit. Can you do that for me? Yep. Say amen. Let me hear somebody say amen. amen. Say praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Ooh, some of you ain't never said that before. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> We're making baby steps. Um, before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, I just want you to, all the distractions you've had this weekend, all the family you've had, all the, the, all the stuff you've had going on, a lot of us have been so um, wide open trying to cook stuff and see after this and make sure this happened that we come to church and we're still a bottle of nerves. I want you this morning, I want you just, this time of prayer, I really want you just to, to let all that go this morning. Whatever's caused it, whatever kind of anxiety you may have this morning, I want you to ask God to remove that. Any kind of stuff that's going on that can block, I want you to just focus on Jesus. We just sang about how great our Lord is, about how he gives us every breath. So let's pray to a God this morning that gave us our breath this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray right now that God, you'd help all of us clear our minds, Lord. I pray that Lord, all the stuff that's going on, the busyness of life, God, I pray that you would just calm us right now. Lord, that we would, uh, God, that we would allow you to speak into our hearts, Lord. I pray, God, that whatever we have going on in our life right now that, that's making us uh, distracted, God, I pray right now that you would uh, allow us to focus on you in this time. God, speak to our hearts. God, speak directly, God, into the most hidden places of our hearts, God. The things that we're dealing with and struggling with, God, I pray that you would just, Lord, you would, you would quiet those things that we're dealing with right now, Lord, just so we can hear your voice. God, I pray that you would help all of us in this room, Lord, leave here different than the way we came. And that, God, we don't hold on to the baggage, Lord, that we carry around every single day. I pray right now, God, that if we brought baggage with us, that we would drop it right now and it would lay on the floor, that it would get off our backs, and, God, that we would be able to focus on you. Lord, we sing how great you are, and, Lord, we, we sing songs of your majesty, but, Lord, oftentimes we don't act that way because we don't respond when you say move. So, God, move. And God, help us respond. Help us live like you've called us to live and be the people you've called us to be. And Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're gonna be in 1 Peter uh, chapter three a little bit this morning. Um, so we're, we're preaching uh, through a series called As One, uh, as focusing on biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, and then what, what the family and parenting should look like from a God's perspective. As we're all pursuing God, and our oneness with God, we're, we're one in, in one family unit. Amen? Amen. So uh, we talked about uh, biblical manhood last week, and, uh, and I didn't get a lot of amens. And, and I heard a guy tell me, he said, he said man, I couldn't because you kept stepping on my feet. I was like, what you mean? He said, well, you really wasn't stepping on my toes. You were more like you were river dancing on my toes the whole time I was in there. <laughs> so I hope this morning that God convicts us, uh, us you as ladies, uh, as much as the men, I have been doing a lot to prepare for this message. Um, I have been listening to Shania Twain this week. Um, I actually went to Hobby Lobby twice uh, with my wife. So I was, I was trying to, to get a woman's perspective on life. And let me tell you, yeah. You go to Hobby Lobby by yourself, you get some weird looks. Some weird looks, you know. But uh, we were in there, and I had, I had pacing with me, so they, they knew that I was taken, so that was great. But... um. Just been doing a lot. And I realized that 
how messed up our world is and even our, our church culture is on what a biblical woman should look like. And, and as I began to, you know, you look at TV, you look at Facebook, you look at the world around you and, and, and a woman is, is, is defined in so many different ways. But some of the common things I saw was that to be a true woman, it's about your appearance. Your appearance means everything. That's what, that's what Hollywood tries to show. That's what, uh, Lord, you look at TV 20 minutes and you'll see all the commercials trying to make the external of the woman. That's that what makes you who you are. You see, I've heard so many women that, that are striving to have this perfect body because that's what the world is saying. That's what a true woman should look like. And that's not it. It, it, the world shows that a true woman is a woman that's self-promoting. That they promotes themselves. It's all about them. Life is about them. And, and, and it's a, a true woman is self-reliant and independent. And no doubt, some of those are some great qualities, but that's not the quality that we should have as true women of God. And you're going to have to be with me because I'm going to say we a lot today. I'm in this with you guys. And in the church, I think that, that we view a true biblical woman on just a few minor things. There's a woman that has regular church attendance. We see a woman that goes to church regularly, and she's like, that's a biblical woman, and that woman is, she, she's spot on. We see a woman that, that, that dresses the part at church, and we think that, that that is what a woman that follows Christ should look like. We see a woman, if he totes her Bible, I, I, I've noticed a lot of times a in the church, we got it so mixed up because a woman feels like she has to act the part in the church building. But when you leave the church building, a lot of times those actions don't match up. That's the same for a man too. But we think that being a biblical man or woman is all about how we project ourselves instead of what's on the inside. Amen? And there's, there's so, many, so many things cause that. I mean, I, I asked... A lot of you ladies in here, I've sent a lot of text messages to different women asking, hey, what is, a, what is your view of a biblical woman? What shaped your life? What? And a lot of women have said, older women. A lot of women have said, older women have shaped my life. My grandmother, my mother, other godly women that I respected, they have shaped me to make me think what I should be as a, as a woman follows after Christ. And although, you know, those are good things, those are good ideas, we can... but. There's not one person that's ever going to get it right. And if we, a lot of times we put our stock too much in what we see instead of really, are they truly a biblical woman? Is, it, is their life matching up to God's word? I don't want to mirror my life to nobody else but Jesus Christ. And I hope that we as, we, that you, the ladies, I hope that you guys could really focus your life on, on what, is my life centered on Christ? Men, the same for you. It is your life centered on Christ. There's a lot of different directions that I could go this morning with, with what makes a woman a, a biblical woman. And, and I struggle with this message. I'm, I ain't going to lie to you. I have struggled with this message. And sometimes God gives me uh, a word. Uh, uh, just He tells me exactly what he wants me to say. And sometimes he gives me just words. And this week, as I was praying through it, I sat down and God was giving me, I was thinking about what the characteristics of a godly woman is, and he gave me these words. He said, he said a godly woman is submissive. A godly woman is, is, a, is, is pure, is purity. A godly woman is persevering and faithful. And a godly woman has a true identity. 
And I think a lot of that is what, when, when I look at the church today, I think of, of how I see a lot of women and a lot of friends that I have that, that, that struggle in a lot of these different areas. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it says this, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from the outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in this way, the holy women of the past who put, in, put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. You know, we live in a, in, in a, in a time where the word submit is like a taboo word. And, 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 and it's, a lot of men have, have been so domineering that, that it's, it's, it kind of casts a dark shadow on, on a wife or a woman submitting to her husband. Or, or even really, not even if you're a single woman, not even submitting to, your husband, to a husband, but submitting to God. Submission is, is, is easy. It's defined as to, to yield to someone or the authority or the will of another. So when I think about, when I think about submission, I, me as a husband, I've never really thought about my wife submitting and me being a tyrant over my wife. I always thought of, of just my, life, my wife coming alongside of me. That was even before I was saved. I never thought of, of, my, of, my, of my wife as lesser or, or, or less important. I always thought of her as an equal. But I want you to understand that submission is an obligation. Verse 1 of, of uh, chapter 3 says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husband." to your own husbands. And I want you to understand, it's, a, it's an obligation that we have. God ordained it, and he knows best. And there's a lot of, a lot of times, I've noticed a lot, some women, they want, they want to run the house. They want to run everything. But God's called us called not to run the house, but to allow the husband, when, and he is following Christ, to truly to run the house. I'm getting some crazy stares up in here this morning. <laughs> but... Uh, that's what God's, God's, God's design. And, and submission doesn't mean inferior. It doesn't mean, but it's a different position. God's, God created all of us equal, amen? amen? All of us are equal in God's eyes. But we all have different roles in the army. And God's called men to lead, and he called women to come alongside and help the man lead. You hear that? Help the man lead. And let me tell you, some of us men need some help leading, Amen? We need, we need our wives to come alongside of us and help us lead. Help, there's two eyes are better. Two eyes are better than one. <laughs> two people are better than one. But see, God gives, and, and when, I, when I read through this, so many times we think about submission is, is I'm second rate or I'm not. But I want to tell you, when I look at God's word, the same spiritual gifts are available to men and women. God didn't say, look, these gifts are for men and these gifts are for women. Women, you get the lesser. No, all of them are the same. 
Men and women have the same access to the same spiritual gifts. So there's no, there's no difference in that. The only thing is that, and, and, I, and I want you to understand this too, women are called to be leaders in the church. That was, that was a, some of you ladies just said amen on that. Because sometimes we, we've painted the picture that, you know what, you just need to do your little painting class and do your sewing class and, and maybe you can teach Sunday school and that's all you need to do. And that's not it. That's not it at all. God said, look, you've got the same spiritual gifts that a man has. He wants you to lead. He wants you to help lead other women. He wants you to be that woman of God. The only thing in God's word that I have found is that God called men specifically to the title of pastor and elder. That's it. I want you as women, I want, I want the women of Connection Church to feel like, hey, I can rise to the occasion, I can lead. I can, be, I can speak truth into other people's lives. I don't have to be a man to be able to tell somebody about Christ. I don't have to, to just... I don't have to back up and be in the backfield all the time. I can rise and lead. Any of y'all want to lead? Nobody. I'll tell you what. Wake up. See, what gets me is that we think about the older and we get caught up in that, but I want you to understand that submission is not degrading. It's really, it's accepting the order God's given us. And when you accept that order, I mean, I think it's the first step to fulfillment. Ephesians 5, um, 21 says, make it clear that the husbands, makes it clear that husbands and wives, they first must be submitted to Christ. So for this to work, husbands and wives have to be submitted to Jesus Christ. For a wife to really desire to submit to, to her husband and his leadership, she has to truly feel that he's leading the family in the right direction. Amen? So submission is an obligation as, as, as women to do that. And I want us to understand, too, that husbands and wives, we are to partner together. We're not competing for who's going to be running the family. When I see families that are that way, when I see husbands that, that are lazy and not doing what they should do, and, and, and a wife, a lot of times wives have to rise to the occasion and lead the family. In that case, if that is you, man, you need to get off your butt and help your wife lead. But there's a lot of occasions where there's a man wanting to lead and the wife is so domineering that she won't let him. And in those cases, women, you need to back down a little bit and let your husband lead a little bit. Because he called us not to compete, but to come alongside, to walk together. You know, I, it's one of those things when I go all the way to the beginning, God created man and woman. And he created woman as a helper to the man. Not to be his slave, but to come alongside and help him, walk with him. I want to tell you, I don't know what I would do without my wife walking beside me and helping me. The other night we were talking about just, just things in ministry and different things. And Sabrina said, I think God gave me you, or God gave you me, to hold you back. She said, because you always want to run a thousand miles an hour after something. She said, I'm always back there saying, I hope not yet. Hope not yet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And, and, and I've learned after trial and error to listen because she knows what's going on. But God gave her to me to be my helpmate and to walk with me through things. I, you need to start seeing, husbands, you need to start seeing your wives as the helper, not a lesser. We need to start walking with each other because that's how God created it. I, I use this example a lot when I'm doing marriage counseling, but it's a lot like, it's a lot like God's giving you your wife to help you navigate through life. Women, you're supposed to help your husband navigate through life. And it's, but a lot of times we're like that GPS. 
We put in the, we know the destination, we put it in, but we think we know better, so we don't listen to it. How many of you keep riding and that GPS says, recalculating? Recalculating because you know you're like, no, this is a better way, and you end up lost, and you could have got there 15 minutes ago. If we would just listen to our partners that God gave us to help us walk through life, we would get to where we need to be a lot faster. And women, don't be jugging your husband in the, in the side. I don't need you to be the Holy Spirit right now. But we're just supposed to come alongside one another, help one another. See, and also submission is also an opportunity. And a lot of you are like, opportunity for what? What it says in, verse, in the end of verse two, it says, look, so that if any of them, so your husbands, do not believe the word, they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives. Because when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, and it continues on talking about how the beauty should come from within, not from with, not outside. But there's so many ladies, and there may be some of you here right now that they're living with a husband that's not saved, that's not pursuing Christ. And, and, and what this is saying is, look, by submitting to God, by submission, an unsaved husband can, get, can be converted. But, but it's not by you preaching to him. It's not by you nagging him. It's by you loving him like Christ loved the church. It's by you loving him and walking beside him. It's the character and conduct of a wife that, that will win a lost husband or a lost child to Christ. It's that conduct of, of not arguments, not, not constantly arguing and, and, and trying to force your will on them, but loving them. I mean, such attributes of submission are like understanding and love and kindness and patience. Just walking, loving them. I heard a man. I heard, I heard a man one time that was he was he wasn't saved, and his wife was, was going to church, and she went to church almost thirty years without her husband. Raised her kids through church, did all those things. A strong woman of God. And she, but what she did is those thirty years, she not once forced her will on her husband. She prayed for her husband. She loved her husband. She served her husband. She treated him like a king. She loved on him. She treated, she, she did everything she could for her husband. And he seen the continual love she had. He seen that process. He seen that, that not just one time a week, but he seen that every single day. And when he seen that, he realized there was something different about his wife. His wife wasn't like these, all these other Christian women that, that act all godly at church and nasty in the grocery store. She was a real godly woman that loved him no matter what. And that love, through a continual process, brought him to Jesus Christ. That's what being a truly submissive woman can do in a household. I mean, I want to tell you, in the household, in the Christian home, we're called to minister one another, amen? I'm supposed to minister to my wife. My wife is supposed to minister to me. We're in this together. So if you're ministering to one another, you can win a lost spouse over to Christ. And it happens the same way, men. If you're living in a home that, that your wife is not saved, you can love her and you can lead her and you can guide her to Christ. God's called you to do that. I know because let me tell you something. When you're sitting there trying to, 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 to force somebody to go do something, that don't work. But when you, when you stop trying to force them and you love them through it and you're patient with them and you're constantly, they hear you praying for them, let me tell you something, that changes things. God's called us to be walking alongside of one another in submission. Singles, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of single ladies in here and, you know, 
You must submit yourself to the authority of Jesus. You might not have, you might not have found the right man yet, but, but let me tell you, you need to submit yourself to Christ. There's so many women that, that I know that are like, I ain't found Mr. Right yet. You know why you ain't found Mr. Right yet? Because you're out there bar hopping, dropping it like it's hot on Saturday night, and you think he's going to show up. That ain't going to happen. I know some of y'all weren't ready for that, but that's just the truth. That's just the truth. I mean, they, they're out there like, where's all the good men gone? They're out there living a life of compromise and thinking that, that, that God's going to bless this heathen that they, she just found in the bar. I want to tell you, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. We need to start realizing that, look, God's got, a, God's got a plan for your life, ladies. And if you're truly seeking God, he calls you to be centered on Christ. You need to strive right now in your singlehood to be the woman God's called you to be so that he will send the right man. I mean, there's, a, there's a godly man looking for a godly woman because they're, they're few to find. And I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of women saying, well, oh, I can't find a good godly man. Let me tell you, there's a many a godly men looking for a godly woman. But, we have to, but that's not going to happen when you're not focused on Christ. See, true womanhood is not tied up in your relationship status but it's on what your life is centered on. It's what your life is centered on. See, the next thing, when I read this, the next word was pure. I thought about purity. In verse three through nine, it says, it says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is the gift, which is the, which of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past used to put on their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. I mean, so in this passage, what's crazy is, is Peter, Peter was warning Christian women not to major on the external, not, not, to, not to major on, on, on the outside, but on the internal, on the inside. See, in those days, and it's crazy how, how much this parallels to today's society, but in those days, Roman women, they were captivated by the latest fashion and the latest hairstyles. It was all about what's new. They didn't have Michael Kors back then, but I bet if they did, all them women would have one. It, it, was, it, was, it wasn't unusual for women to, elab, to, to decorate themselves with elaborate clothing with, studded with gold and fine jewels and silver and stuff. It'd be all over their clothes. And, but it wasn't it only for the purpose of impressing one another. And what Paul was saying is, look, don't worry about trying to press each other. Don't worry about all this fine stuff you're trying to put on yourself. You need to be worried about the inside. I want to tell you, one of the things that I've noticed, and, and, I'm, and I may be different, but I want to tell you, when I was, when I was dating and I was looking for uh, someone to, to marry, there was a lot of beautiful women that I, that I saw. But if their inside didn't match their outside, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pursue that. There's a lot of women that I know that are beautiful women. They're very pretty to look at. But let me tell you something. When they get behind closed doors, they're bitter, they're nasty, they're hateful, they're mean people. That just takes, all that beauty just goes away. Our external our external should be exactly what's internally. Amen. And as godly women, as we project those things, and I, and, I, and I say that in a loving way because there's a lot. Women, a lot of times women, you are your own enemies. I know a lot of ladies that, that, 
that, that say, I don't want to go hang out with other women because women are, are hard. Women are judgmental. Women are hateful. Women, women do those things and you attack one another instead of building each other up. And, you're, and, and, all, and most of the time when all that's happened, they're looking at the external things. They're calling, you know, they're looking at what you have and what you don't have. And, and that's, not, that's not what a biblical woman is. See, a, a Christian wife and, and an unsaved husband or a single lady looking for a mate might think that, that she must have to imitate the world if she's going to win her man or keep her man, but that's the opposite. That's the opposite. I could care less. I could care less as a godly husband. I could care less what, what my wife buys and what she wears. As long as it's modest, as long as it, it looks good on her. Let me, let me qualify that. I could care less, though. I don't care if it's the latest fashions. I don't care if she's wearing a $300 pair of boots or, or a $700 shirt. I don't care about those things. I want her to be a godly woman. I, if, if she it looks the part, but inside she is a mean person, I don't, that, that ain't what I'm looking for. Ladies, that's not what your husband's looking for. We need to be true. We, if you dress up outside, that's great, but make sure the inside matches just as good as you look outside. And if those things don't match up, you need to ask yourself, what's wrong with me? What's going on inside? What, what kind of junk do I need to fix so that I look the same? God's calling to be pure. See, God's, it's crazy because God's worried about the values you have. God's worried about your, your, in, your internal. He's not worried about the prices on what the things you own. And glamour is so superficial and external. I mean, true beauty is internally. Amen? True beauty is internally. And I, what, what gets me is so many people focus on, 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 on dress and clothes. But let me tell you, all that stuff can be shared, shared away. And I think about the legacy you leave as men and women. It's not about the fine clothes you have or the things that you possess, but the legacy you leave is how you treat other people and how you live and how you love others. I mean, I've had a close friend that passed away, and, and, and the legacy he left was about how he loved other people and what he did for those other people. Not about the things he had. The things we have are external, and it doesn't matter. What's inside is what counts, ladies. A true godly woman will be focused on her internal beauty, not the, not the temporary glamour that will fade. And 1 Timothy 3.11 says this. It says, in the same way, women are to be worthy of respect, not malice talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. And when I think about purity, I think about we need to be pure in our speech, we need to be pure in our intentions, we need to be pure in our motives, God's saying, look, in 1 Timothy, he's saying, godly women should be worthy of respect. If you have to tell somebody to respect you, then you're not being respectable. So they, should be, they, should have, they should have respect. They should be worthy of respect, not malice talkers. That means we're not tearing each other down. We're not talking bad about one another. We're not, we're not criticizing other people. We're, we're, being, we're, being, we're uplifting others. He says, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. It's crazy. But if, more, if, if a lot of women in our churches would, would just be that, a lot of our churches would change. I thought the men were quiet, quiet last week. Women, y'all were some kind of quiet. The next thing that, that God really spoke to me on was being really, really being faithful and persevering. 
as I read stories of Ruth and, and, and of Hannah and, and, and all these different ladies throughout the Bible, of Deborah and all these women, they had a, they had a, all a, common, a lot of common things going for them. But one thing that really struck out to me is, is how a lot of these women, when they hit opposition, how they stayed the course, how they stayed faithful, how they stayed persistent, and they persevered. See, one thing that we lack in the church is a lot of women being real. Same thing with men, but we lack, we lack the realness. We, we, we come, we paint the picture that we're, that we're one way, but we're really a, a wreck inside. And we think we're fooling people. But you're not fooling nobody because a lot of times it's written on your face that you're struggling, but you're too prideful to admit you're struggling. Amen? And we need to, we need to be vulnerable. We try, we try to protect ourselves and, and, and try to project we're feeling one way that we're not, but we need, some, we need some, real, some, some people acting real in the church. You're not fooling nobody. And it's crazy because so many people were struggling through life, and if we're not leaning on other people to help bear our struggle, next thing you know, our struggle will define us. It'll define who we are. And when I read this in 1 Samuel, it just spoke to me because there's, I believe there's so many women in our church that, 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 that can relate to Hannah. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 2. Her husband, Hannah's husband had married another woman because she could not produce a child. And in those days, children was about getting your name out there and about progressing the family. So if if a wife could not produce a child or, or son, she felt useless. She felt second rate. She felt like she didn't fit in or belong. There was a lot of, there was a lot of emotions that went along with that. And verse 2 says he had two wives, one called Hannah and the other called Peniah. Peniah had children and Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from this town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Sheol, where I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but where Hyphen and Phinehas, whatever, two sons of Eli, a priest of the Lord, whenever the, day, when, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Peniah, and her, all of her sons and daughters. But Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and she wouldn't eat. Her husband would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why do you not eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking at Shaol, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look at your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be held on his head. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her. Hannah was praying in her heart, but her lips were moving. 
but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. So he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. She said, no, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine nor beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked him. When I read, read that this week, I got to thinking there's so many ladies that I know. There's so many women, not just in this church, but other churches that, that have serious struggles. They have serious issues going on in their life. And Sarah's problem was she was barren. She was lifeless. She couldn't produce anything. She felt second rate. And there's all kinds of struggles in a lot of people's lives. There's relationship issues and work and family. Ladies are, are, are consumed with looking for approval or, or looking for acceptance or they're fear, they're fear in, they feel so insecure about themselves. There's all kinds of struggles that a lot of women have. See, this struggle that Hannah had, it was irritating. And I think it lasted a long time. And, and irritating may not be a strong enough word because it seemed that the struggle was so overwhelming that it almost paralyzed her. Her husband didn't understand her. In fact, she was misunderstood in general. She was misunderstood. She, she, her, her husband literally asked her, why are you crying? Her own, her own preacher thought she was drunk because she was so just, just torn up inside. This struggle that she had affected her in every way. And there are so many emotions there of being barren, not feeling accepted, not feeling approved, feeling like you're second rate, feeling all these different things that she felt. I know when, when Sabrina and I, we, we've been married 13 years before we had Payson, and I know there for a while there was a lot of thoughts of there, you know, is there something wrong with you? Is there something wrong with me? What, something wrong with one of us? What's going on? Why, why can't we have children? There's all these emotions that go through. You, you feeling like you, that you're not right. I, I understand some of that. But she allowed this to, to, just, just to get her, to, to really take her focus off everything else. She was more focused on her problems than she was about anything else. And some of you may feel like her. You may feel lifeless due to your circumstances. And you may feel like your future is barren. There's no, there's no future because you, there's one thing that's consuming your life. The one thing that you think will make your life complete that you hadn't got yet. That's where Hannah was at. But yet she continued to pursue. See, in a lot of instances, we allow our circumstances to define us. We allow them to overtake us and we start being okay with being less than what God created us to be. Any of y'all struggle with that? I know I have. You've been struggling, you've been fighting for so long and, and, and it's like, you know what, what's the use? Why do I keep on going? I need to just quit because it's not worth it. And God's saying, look, he created you to be a fighter. He created you not to quit. He created you to be a winner, Amen. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't allow life to beat you down. See, a lot of times if we don't, if we don't get a handle on that, if we don't turn it over to God, we lose sight and we stop fighting. And I know there's a lot of ladies that just, they've been consumed with what's going on in their life and they've just quit fighting. It's easier not to fight. I want you to look at Hannah's example. See, Hannah kept pursuing God year after year. She didn't quit pursuing God. Her, her struggle didn't change. Her struggle continued. She was being ridiculed by another woman. 
a great illustration of how cruel women could be to other women. But she was, she, she was being ridiculed by that other woman. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how rude that other woman was or anything. She was still pursuing God, though, because she knew that God was the only thing that could give her relief. Have any of you been in a situation where you knew that God was the only thing, the only person that could give you relief? I know I have. It's year after year. And see, Eli, he says at the end, he says, look, go in peace. And I don't think he was wishing Hannah to well. I think he was wishing her to go in peace. And when she left that place, she had peace because she had given her problems to God. And I know me, me myself trying to control everything, I'm trying to handle everything. I try to handle my problems on my own. And as long as I'm trying to handle my problems, I become a basket case. Just full of anxiety. My nerves are shot. I'm trying to control this situation. I'm trying to make this happen the way I want it to happen. And God's using that, that situation the whole time to mold me into something else. And the whole time, God's saying, you going to let me do it? Are you going to let me do it? And the things that I've been struggling with, the things I've been trying to work out, the things that's been bothering me for years, God will change just like that. See, I think in the midst of the struggle, God wants us to go in peace. Because when she left, when she left, when Eli said, go in peace, and she left, she went when her whole mindset was changed. But the problem still stayed. See, a lot of times our struggles are for, not, are for us to make us into something else. It's not to hold us captive, but to turn us into what God wants us to be. See, Hannah's countenance changed, her spirit changed, even before her circumstances did. God was moving in her heart and in her life. So no matter what circumstance, no matter what's going on in your life right now, ladies, pursue God. Pursue him no matter how hard it is. Keep pushing. Keep pursuing God. Keep saying, God, show me. God, help me. God, give me peace through this infirmity. Because he will, and she did. God led her right on through, and she had peace even though she wasn't pregnant yet. But later, God came through. The Lord remembered her. See, it's easy for us to think that in the midst of our difficult situations that God's forgotten us. But I want you, the scripture is clear here that he never forgets those that are his. And if you've been praying for God to, for a breakthrough, if you've been praying for God to change the situation you're in, if you've been praying for God to change where you are sitting at right now, God's saying, have faith, sister. God's saying, keep pushing, keep pursuing, don't stop. That's what, he, and I, that's what I want to tell you this morning. Don't quit. Don't allow your, your situation to define who you are. Press into God. See, the struggle in here, the struggle, I'm going to tell you, the struggle is not here to harm you, but it's to make you stronger so that you may last and you're, you may be able to endure to the end. Everything that I went through in my life was building me up to where I am right now. Everything you struggle through, God's got a purpose for it. It might be uncomfortable. You might not be, you know, my like where you are right now, but God's using that for a reason. And I know it's hard to think sometimes. And one of the, one of the things I said, I remember saying it to Kim when Kim was going through cancer. I said, God's going to use this. And, and after I said it, I was like, oh God, I hope she didn't get upset about that. But it was one of the roughest times in her life. And, and God was, and, and, and I'm using that as an example because usually cancer is one of those things that we, we kind of think it's catastrophic. But God used that. 
It was hard. It was tough. I walked with them through it. There was many a morning, many a day she was sick, and, I would, and God would just lay her on my heart, and I would send her a text message and tell her how much I loved her and cared about her, and God was going to see her through. And she kept pursuing God. Her faith didn't waver. No matter how tough it got, no matter how sick she got, she kept pursuing God. And in the end, God came through. And that's just one example in our midst that God, he looks after those that pursue him. So are you fighting through or are you, or, or you surrendering to? You need to ask yourself that. Because God said a godly woman is not a weak woman. It's not a weak woman. Women are strong. If you don't believe they're strong, go see a childbirth. Oh, Lord of mercy. <laughs> Women are strong. God created you as a mighty woman to pursue God, to be strong. Don't be a weak woman. Don't lay down and say, you know what? I'm not strong enough for this. God created you with the strength to endure. Endure. Be strong. See, a lot of times the struggle is for you to depend on God, not yourself. We, just like Hannah, she continued. She was, she was so looking at this, at this issue. She said, look, if I could just have a child, this would complete me. This would, if, if I can have this, this would make me whole. If my husband would respect me, I would feel better. If, if, if this happened, I would be better. If I made more money, I would feel like I'm more successful. If, 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 the, the, the list to keep going. But Hannah said, look, if I could just have this one thing, I would be whole. And God knew that that wouldn't make her whole. The only thing that would make her whole was if she was whole in him, pursuing him. A lot of times we struggle through life because God's wanting to get our attention to make us realize that we won't be whole unless we center our life on him. And I struggled through many years till God taught my hard-headed self that. You won't be whole. You'll, complete, you'll continue to feel empty. You'll continue to feel second class and second rate until you surrender and center your life on Jesus Christ. When he is your being, when he is your everything, that is what makes a true biblical woman. We always think a man or, 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 or a, um, a child or something will complete us. And I heard Dallas say something one time that was most, I thought that he really was fit to get decked by Jenna. But he said, Jenna is not my soulmate. And in my spirit, I was like, because <gasps> I knew she was fit to slap him. But he said, Jenna grows me closer to God. I knew that she got, through Jenna, God, God used Jenna to grow me closer to himself. But he could have used any other woman for that. Don't put your identity in a man, woman, ladies. Don't put your identity in a man. Put your identity in God. And when you circle your life on Jesus Christ, when you, when you, when you, when you put him in the center of your life, and he is all that matters, all the other stuff, it's kind of second rate. It don't matter. You'll be satisfied when, when the right man comes along. Okay, that's good. When, when the children come, fine, because my security is not in those things. It is in Jesus Christ. I want you to look at Hannah's example. I mean, year after year, she kept pursuing God, no matter what. Her struggle was... Her struggle with God was, was with God's plan. She struggled with, the, with that. She struggled with what was going on. She struggled with, I'm not pregnant or whatever. I'm not, I'm, a lot of you are struggling with where you are right now, and so many people allow the struggle to push them away from God. 
You allow your situation to push you away from God instead of pushing you to. Hannah went to God, not away from God, because she knew God was the only one that was going to rescue her from her pain. So maybe this morning you need to press into God and stop running from him. And she, and see, and through this whole process, I want you to look at in the beginning how Hannah was, she was all torn up. Her identity was in herself, was in this child. And then at the end, her identity was in God. Our struggles shape us and shape our view of God. So maybe, maybe God's got you where you are this morning trying to help you reshape your idea of God. So many times we have such a small view of, where, of who he is. I want to be honest with you. I probably had a, a, I've had a way smaller view of God a year ago than I have right now. Because through the struggle, through the pain, through some suffering, God's opened my eyes so much bigger to see who he is and how big he is. But you have to, put, you have to cast your cares on him. The last thing I want you to see is that how, how Hannah was faithfully, faithful even before the baby. She was so faithful even, even before and then after the baby. We, we, can, we can't expect God to bless us in the future if we're not focusing on him right now. Are you faithful right now, ladies? Are you faithful right where you are? are you, we can't expect God to do things for us in the future if we're not faithful where we are right now. I've heard so many people, and this goes for men too, we're like, you know what? I'm just, I've been praying and praying and praying, but God ain't answering. Okay, are you, are, you, are, you pray, are you seeking God? Are you reading God's word? Well, uh, occasionally. How many times are you praying? Well, only when I'm hitting this, this, this struggle is when I pray. God wants his people to be centered on him. We can't expect God to change our circumstances if we're just going to him like a genie in the lamp. He wants you to be centering your life on him. See, Hannah's identity was in a child. And the worst thing that God could have gave her at that time was a child in that place because her God would have been that child. And a lot of times we're struggling through things because God's not giving you what you're requesting because he knows that you'll center your life on that thing instead of him. And he wants your life centered on him. What is your identity in, church? What's your identity in, man? What's your identity in, women? What what is your identity See, when your identity is in Christ, God will take care of the rest. It'll allow you to walk through struggles easier. When you feel like you're second rate, God will give you and help you feel whole. But a lot of times we're just pursuing those things we think will make us whole instead of pursuing the God that can only make us whole. See, women are your identity should be in the Lord. And our identity starts on our knees. Are you a praying woman? Do you pray for your husband? Do you pray for those children? Do you pray for that family member that's not saved? Do, you, do people know you as a praying woman? Are you praying for those situations and circumstances? Are you on your knees like, like uh, Hannah was? Are you on your knees crying out in such a way? She said, I was pouring out my soul before the Lord. Have you been in prayer to where it's like you're pouring out every ounce of your being? Have you been so desperate to see God move? See, that's what a faithful woman looks like. When your identity is circled and centered on Christ, you're pouring out everything you have for Jesus. That's what a true woman is.
And me as a godly man, I so desire to see godly women that are pursuing godliness, saying, God, I want to love you more than anything else. I want to please you more than anything else. This younger generation of young ladies that are coming up, it breaks my heart because their identity and how they look and about all this stuff they can have instead of what a true woman is. And we, ladies, we need to put that example for them of showing them how a true woman is a woman that's not self-reliant but relies on Jesus. What is your identity in, ladies? Your children need to see you as have, being a woman that is identified by Jesus Christ. Because if your identity is not in Jesus, then they'll think their identity needs to be in what your identity is in. If it's the job, if it's money, if it's approval, if it's vanity, if it's, if it's how you look, if it's an acceptance, what those things, what drives you, ladies? See, at the end, she was willing to give up what she wanted the most just so she could be closer to God. And it's only in those times is when God's going to do amazing thing in your life. I remember I remember in my yard one day tired of fighting, tired of fussing. And I had been trying to fix my marriage, been trying to fix my wife, been trying to do all these things. And I got to the point where I said, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I can't fix this. And Lord, if you don't want me to have her, then God, take me away from her. But you've got to change her. And you've got to fix her heart, but God, you've got to fix me too. And it was in the middle of the struggle. It was in the middle of the, of the hardest time in my life to where I realized I had to say, God, if you want to take this from me, I'm fine. I want you more than anything. Because at that time, my wife was my identity. Her approval of me meant more to me than anything else. And when I got to that point is when God delivered my marriage, God delivered me, God changed me to make me see that I cannot center my life on nothing but Jesus Christ. But it's only through the struggle in which he showed me those things. So stop fighting the struggle, ladies. Stop fighting the things that, that you're fighting against. Stop just thinking that, oh, woe is me, Lord. Why haven't you given me this? Why don't you come and say, God, help me be, help you be my identity this morning. Help me be that woman, that fearless woman, that strong woman. That faithful woman, that, that woman that pursues you no matter what circumstance I'm in. God, help me be that woman. God, help me be that woman that's pure, that has a pure heart, that, that, that's beautiful inside, not just outside, that, that I truly are pursuing you. I prayed for that for you this morning. I pray that God would move in your heart in such a way that, that you'll desire to be that submissive woman that, that's that the world knows that you love Jesus Christ by how you love your husband. That the world will know that you love Jesus Christ if you're single by how you pursue Jesus. 
everything a woman can be. Of everything a woman can be. The most attractive and the most worth attribute is a woman that's centered on Jesus Christ. And if your life is not centered on Jesus Christ, ladies, you, you will always be empty. You will always be looking for something else to fill you. That's why so many young ladies are looking for a man to fill that, that, that void, to make them feel acceptable. They're looking for these next things. That's why so many people turn to drugs because they feel empty and they want something to, to, to fill the void. And this goes for men too. If your life is not centered on Jesus Christ, you will always be looking for something else. So today, if you realize that, hey, my life's not centered on Christ. I'm, I'm just being religious and I'm not really following Christ. I really don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to surrender, give him my life. If that's you this morning, I'll be standing right over here in this corner. And you come and I will we'll pray. Biggest thing, the greatest thing you could do is surrender your life to Jesus Christ so you can be the woman God's called you to be. You cannot be I'm, I'm, I'm straight up serious with you, not just because I'm a pastor. You can't be the woman that your husband needs you to be, that your kids need you to be, that your future husband needs you to be, unless you are centered on Jesus Christ. And that won't happen unless you have surrendered your life to him. Husbands, if, you had, if you're the same way, if, if, or men, if you're in here and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, if your life's not centered on him, I'll be right here. You come, let's pray. But as Andrew plays softly, Women, I want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and your insecurities. I want you to come to this altar and I want you to pour out your heart before God. Because we need, and not in just Connection Church, but in Jenkins County, we need true godly women. Women that don't just say they're godly women, but women that they radiate with godliness because of their pursuit of Jesus Christ. Do you want to be that? Are you okay with where you are? Maybe you're like Hannah this morning. Maybe there's something that you've been centering your life on that, that you, really, you really need to give to God and say, God, look, I'm okay with whatever you want me to have, but God, I just want you. I want more of you. Maybe that's you this morning. So when the lights go down, I want to challenge you to come on. Let's do business with God. Husbands, if your wife comes, pray for your wife. Let's do business with God. And if you need to surrender, I'll be right there in the corner, ready to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, God, we come to you right now, Lord, thanking you so much for the opportunity to just to be able to come. And Lord, the more I prepared for this message, God, the more I've, uh, Lord, the more my heart's been broken. Because I see the pain and the hurt in so many ladies' eyes trying to be something that everybody else wants them to be instead of being what you want them to be, God. God, so many times we, bought, we have bought into the lie that, God, what we project we are is what we are. But, Lord, what we are is what's inside. 
So God, I pray right now that you reveal the dirtiness in our lives. God, you reveal the true condition of our heart, Lord. Lord, the judgmentalness that we have, the spitefulness that we have, the unforgiveness that we have, the bitterness that we have, God, the lies that we tell, Lord. I pray, God, you reveal these things to our hearts, God, so we may empty these out before you and be acceptable in your sight, Father. I pray for these women right here, Lord. There's so many of these ladies, Lord, in this room, God, that, Lord, I, I just I admire them, Lord, how they're walking with you, how they're pursuing you, Lord. I pray, God, that you put other women in their lives so they can pour into God. Lord, help us be your people. God, help us surrender. Help us, Lord, not be prideful or arrogant. Lord, I pray our only concern would be getting right with you today and leaving this place better than where we came. Help us, God, cast our cares on you. Help us, God, empty our soul out before you, Lord, so that we can go in peace. Even if our situations don't change, we can leave and we can live this life peacefully, Lord, knowing that you're on our side. So, Father, please touch us. Moving our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.